Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Nick, and you're listening to Under the Covers with Lisa and Nick. And today we're joined. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to get real. You ready for this? I hope you're ready. I hope you're dressed. (laughs) So we're going to be joined, or today we are joined, by an amazing author. I'm obsessed with his book, Gap Selling, and I don't use that term lightly. I would call him the Madonna of the business literary world because he doesn't have a surname. So welcome to the show, Keenan. This is my first virtual freaking menage a trois. That is always uh, the first. I always thought it would be two chicks, but I, you know, <laughs> you're a good looking guy, man. So I'll, I'll live with it. You're a good looking dude. So oh, don't no, worry. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll be gentle. <laughs> oh, oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> mate, um, mate, just checking in. How are you holding up during Corona or COVID? How's, it, how's life been for you? It's been fucking great. I just moved from Denver and moved out to the beach and I'm sitting looking over the ocean right now and the walls are open and so I'm doing great. Fucking hell, mate. What a life. We're actually, I'm stuck in a suburb in Melbourne, can't leave our home. So, I, mate, let's swap anytime. Yeah, I'm, I'm, look, COVID, I mean, look, it beat my business up a little and it's hard for people and I have empathy and I understand what it's doing in the economy and so I, I don't want to minimize the impact to the world at all. So, Anybody who's overly sensitive, don't, don't fucking get your panties in the world. I, I, I get it. It's awful for folks. But you ask me how I'm doing personally, and yep. it hasn't been too bad. So, you know. Well, that listen to my next question. So I love building sales teams, and I've got sales teams all around the world. And, and it fucking kills me when my guys say, oh, I can't sell this because the economy has been decimated or they haven't got any money. Like, what are your thoughts around excuses when they use the economy as an excuse for not hitting their targets? Do you think it's justified or think it's bullshit? Uh, it, like anything, it depends, right? So it really depends. It, look, we can't argue that the economy's um, shrinking, right? Contracting. Is that yeah. a fact or not? Yeah. So if the economy's contracting as a fact, then from a macro perspective, it's a fact that the sales organizations at a macro level will not make their number, right? That's a fact. Now, as it comes to individuals at a micro level, that could be bullshit for some and fact for others. So then you have to ask yourself who's saying it and why are they saying it? So if they're in a space that's absolutely contracted and it's the, their actual buyers are spending little to no money, then yeah, it's an excuse. I mean, they can't, but it's an excuse that, that uh, it's a reason. I like to say it's different between an excuse and a reason. It's a real reason why it's more difficult. And here's the other part. If it is contracting and you get the one or two guys or girls who actually made their quota, then by default, in absolute necessity, that means people on the other side won't make it. Someone else on their team or someone else somewhere else isn't going to make it. If the, if the industry has contracted, like we just have to look at this in re- reality, right? Now, the question you're really asking is how much are salespeople leaning on that reason yeah. and as to not try harder or as to not do things differently or as not to get as much as they possibly can. So if it's contracting by 10% and you're 20% off your fucking number, you own 10% of that. Mm. That's 10% you fucked up that you can't figure out how to get because you're contracting faster than the actual space you're in. And you own that. So that comes down to just understanding what do you sell? How does what you sell impacts, right? So I used to say, does it alleviate, mitigate, or um, it was another one. I had this fancy little saying and I came up, but basically alleviate, mitigate, and make easier what people are doing now right? Uh, Get through COVID. If you don't understand how what you're selling helps their business alleviate COVID or the impact of it, 
uh, um, mitigate or improve, that was it, alleviate, mitigate, and improve, or improve their current situation, then you shouldn't be selling it into home. If yep. you understand how it alleviates, mitigates, and improves it, then you need to be having conversations with the buyer to help them understand how, even though where you are today, they have a problem that they need to invest in. And then you go from there. But, but during a crisis, isn't there opportunity? So if you've got the stronger sales team and you've trained them well and you've identified client pain points, can sell at this and potentially can you win more business because you've built a stronger sales team than your competitors and you've identified the opportunity. Yeah, you could win more from your competitor. So if you want to look at it from that angle, it's like I just said, yes, one company or set of people can do well, but yep. your question has to be addressed laterally and vertically. So yes, vertically, one or two companies could, because their team's selling better, outsell the other ones and they don't contract, but that means the other ones are gonna contract by more than 10%. So it depends on what angle you wanna take. You see what I'm saying? Like, because every single person cannot exceed, if the whole markets contract by 10%, everybody can't exceed. Mm. The, like, like I, I drop a thousand fish. Like everybody's hungry. I drop a thousand fish, right? The guys who are hungrier and faster, they're going to get 10 or 11 each. And some are going to go to get seven or eight. But then all of a sudden they only drop 50, right? So maybe those guys who are really good, they're really vicious. They'll still get their 10 or 11, but that means they're also only getting three or four. And now the guys who are only getting three or four, they can't say, why can't you go out and get nine or 10 again? There aren't enough fish for everybody to get nine or 10. You see where I'm going with this? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Your answer is, your question is legit. But we, have a, we have a tendency to mix the micro and the macro and get a micro question or answer and then broad brush it across the macro. So the answer is individually as a person, you might have an opportunity to crush it. Collectively, it's a legitimate reason why people aren't making their quota. Yeah, I think it's like, yeah, it's definitely an interesting time for a lot of salespeople. So I head uh, up, um, our sales for our business. So I was really excited to read your book because I think I've definitely been very much like a relationship seller. And then it, your book really got me to think about, you know, my, the whole way our business and myself personally sells. And I think it's one of the things that really jumped out at me was the fact that like people don't give a shit if they like you, like they want an expert. They want, they want people to actually just tell them what to do and, yeah. and tell them about problems that they probably didn't even really know they had. So how did you actually develop this, uh, I guess, like methodology for selling? Luck. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I pretty much probably sold this way for years and didn't know it when I was an individual contributor. Pushed my teams when I was heads of sales and vice president of sales, pushed my teams to sell sort of in this way. But it wasn't until I started the consulting firm, a sales guy, that, and I was blogging all the time, that I'd be sitting in front of a sales teams and they'd be screwing up and I'd be like, God dang it, no, it's like this. And I'd go on the, I'd go on the whiteboard and whiteboard it all out and say, this is what you're trying to do. And then I'd go back and, and look at, ooh, that was pretty good. So I'd take a picture, you know what I'm saying? Or I'd blog about it. And so after doing that for, I think for seven years, um, I remember I was with a client and I don't know how it happened, but I was like, look, man, you need to understand that if you're going to get the buyer to buy, they got to understand what problems they're having. And I went up there and I drove. So let's call this the current state. And then I was like, and, and if you think they're going to buy, they got to understand the current state sucks, but you got to give them some place they got to go. And it's got to be worth it. So let's call this the future state. And I said, if the gap is only this big in between and you're asking for a million bucks, they're not going to buy it. And so I went through that whole thing. It was on the fly. And then I sat back. And I was like, ah, oh, 
And then I started writing it. I would go back to all my blog posts. I'd go back to all my, um, my notes from clients and everything. And it was like, it was all there. I had things on technical problems versus business problems. I had written about like four years before that. And I had the, the discovery process versus, um, you know, uh, doing discovery, uh, before you do the demo and why that's important. So I just had it in all these different places. And then when I wrote it on that board that one day, current state, few state, and I went back, it was just, I just had to bring it together. And over the years, I've engaged a lot of sales trainers to train my sales teams. And I'll be honest with you, most of them have been shit. What are your thoughts on the, on the current yeah. state of play in terms of sales trainers across the world? Like, are there any good ones out there? Or is it just crap all over? I'm not, I'm not answering that question. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think you're I, good I, I, at look, <laughs> so, so what do you think, but what do you think the biggest weakness with sales trainers is? Like what are, do they actually, are they beneficial or do they just not provide enough value? Cause I, what I found is I brought them in and I don't see any difference in my numbers with sales trainers because I just, I don't think they identify the real problem with the sales teams. Okay. So that, that's, there's a lot to that state. So, if you brought in sales trainer and they trained your team and they left, that's not the sales trainer's fault. Okay. If you brought in a sales consultant and you called them a sales trainer, he spent time with you and helped dissect your business and diagnose issues with the business and help restructure and added new processes and it didn't work. And then he or she sucked. Um, so it, so really first up, I think we have to find what do we call a sales trainer? And then what do we do with that information we were done and how did we train them? So to your question, are they good sales trainers look? There's people out there that I like and I admire, right? Um, and, uh, but I've never actually sat through any of their training, so I can't speak. I may have read their books or know them personally or read their blogs or even talked to them, hung out with them, but I never actually sat through their training. Yep. What I found with old school sales training or training in the past is primarily much of it, not all of it, but much of it was very tips and tricks and tactics, right? So when somebody does this, I'm going to teach you mirroring, mirror them. If they're this, mirror their behavior back, right? Or, um, you know, um, say the, oh, like the sandal had one and say, you know, I'm Jim Keenan. Have you heard of me? What the fuck is that? Like, what the fuck is that shit? Like, it, it's stupid tactic shit that I'm not sure what salespeople are supposed to do with and they just forget it and it goes away. Yeah. I think it's all, it needs to be all about a foundational element, a framework that aligns with helping a buyer make a decision, not trying to uh, manipulate the situation, not try to manipulate a current set of words, not try to use psychology in the conversation and like, oh, they said this, or try to say this, or get them to say yes a bunch of times. It's just like, stop, people, just stop, right? So that's, that's why I think they're not very effective. And I don't, I think they're so still stuck in the 80s with, I, I make fun of them, they're all wearing fucking khakis and a blue blazer and a white shirt. <laughs> and with all due respect, 95% of them are old white dudes with gray hair. And they, it's just, there's, there's nothing fun, entertaining, hip, yeah. energetic about it, yeah. right? So that's the other part. I they think they're just stuck, you know, 25, 30, 40 years ago. With your, uh, with your training or your sales process, what do you do? Do you, do you use it fact-finding? Do you, do you identify pain points? How does it all work with your process? And it, Lisa, Lisa, I'll let you answer that question. You read the book. Yeah, no, no, but I'm actually just, just for the audience to understand. Oh, 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 you got to find the gap. <laughs> yeah, you got to find the gaps. And so no, first of all, we don't find pain points. I hate that pain point. Stop. Pain is a symptom. Right? This idea, oh, we got to go find the pain. Pain is a symptom. You can find the pain and sell on the pain. 
and realize that the pain was just a symptom and you made the symptom go away, but the problem didn't go away. And now the buyer spent all this money for the symptom to go away and didn't realize the root cause problem is still there and it's not helping them, right? So you got to find the problem, right? The business problem. I talk in the book about creating a pick for your company. Like, I don't care what products or services you have. They only solve a handful of problems, generally speaking. So you got to figure out what those problems are. What is the impact to the organization? Should those problems exist? And then what are the root causes of those problems? Why do those problems manifest themselves inside the organization in the first place? If you understand that, your ability to ask questions and engage a buyer to not only talk about those problems, admit they have those problems, define those problems, to measure the size of those problems, and then get to tell you what they would like to happen, where they'd like to go if they could get rid of those problems, you get them building the gap all by their pretty little selves. Mm-hmm. By the time they're done talking to you, they're like, oh, shit, this is a bigger problem than we thought. Yeah. And then they're ready to be sold. They're ready to have a discussion. And what I like about your methodology is that, you know, a lot of people think they know what their problems are and then salespeople come in and go, oh, okay, so that's your problem. We can fix it with X, Y, Z. But like you were saying, it's like they're not identifying the actual problem. So as a salesperson, you need to come in and say, totally hear what you're saying, but your actual problem's this for this reason. So, so at least I love, I love that you're a fan of the book, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take it a little step further for you. You don't ever tell the customer what the problem is. You literally ask enough questions that it becomes clear what the problem is. And the customer describes the problem as they're answering your questions. That's actually right? like therapy. Then it's stronger if they, if they themselves realize, oh, I like that. Yes. And actually, I had a client from Australia who um, basically said every time we sat down, he felt like he was in therapy. Because I would just keep asking questions and I'd keep getting the answers and like, okay, it's clear now. I know what the problem is. So yes, I, salespeople got to stop telling sales, stop telling their clients things and learn how to get the client to just describe their environment, right? And based on those questions, um, start to help see a, see a, if a problem occurs. Like, so is that your home office or is that your uh, is that your home office, Lisa? Yeah, I'm, I'm at home. <laughs> Okay, are those flowers in the back? Are those real or fake? Uh, real. Okay, how often do you go buy them? Do you pick them in the backyard or do you buy them at a store? I steal them from the sidewalk. <laughs> okay, how often do you get them? Probably like once a week. Do you time that with when you're doing an episode like this? Uh, no, I'm always doing Zoom calls. So always background like yours has to always look on point. So every little detail counts. So how often do you have to go do that before they die? Uh, I do it once a week to keep them fresh every time I go for a walk. And are they, are, do you live in a place where they always are where you want them to be? Like they're always fresh flowers? Yeah, they're just like evergreen. I just pick them up <laughs> trees along the nature strip. Probably hopefully I don't get in trouble. <laughs> Where'd you come up with the idea? Um, I was struggling during Corona, so I didn't want to spend money on flowers. All right, all right. And so do you just go out and walk with a pruner and just start cutting? Has anybody ever said anything to you when you cut them down? No, I go really early in the morning. I've thought about it. <laughs> so even though I picked something random, you saw what I was doing there. Yeah. Right? 
just getting a conversation and, and notice the types of questions I asked too. I started thinking, okay, what could be some of the problems with this? The frequency, she's getting yeah. it from the street. Some people could complain. She has to do it often. Do you notice, I just wasn't asking random questions. I was anticipating some of the potential problems that you could have. And yeah. I'd even go into having to keep them watered. How quickly do they wilt? You know, et cetera. And I was even going to go to, if they were seasonal, when you said evergreen, it took me a lot. But even after they were seasonal, because what happens if the season changes? You get the same flowers, will they not be there? Like, I'm anticipating perceived problems yeah. and just asking you questions to see where you take it. Yeah. Right? So I wish I had a bigger aha, but did you guys see what I was doing there? Yeah. Well, then you could probably sell me a stock background so I don't need to keep. <laughs> yes. Yes. If that's, what, if, if that's where it ended up and that became a big enough problem, I might have offered another solution. Didn't yeah. find a big enough problem, but it still felt like a conversation I would have been happy to have. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, that's why, so I never have to tell, I'm never going to sit there and say, look, you're out there cutting them. You shouldn't do that. You're some, you're going to get caught someday. It takes too long. You just need to buy my thing. They're like, fuck you. Yeah. Like, like, you can't tell someone that you got to walk them through it and see if they find it on their own. Yeah. So once you've, once you've identified all the problems or the problem and it, then it's about adding value. So what type of value would you add? So you go, this is a solution to the problem. How would you add yeah. value yeah. Without, without even mentioning price? You just, you just say, okay, this is what we do, right? So here's the point where a lot of people fuck up is salespeople will ask these questions. They'll find a problem they don't solve <laughs> or they'll find a problem that's not very big yep. and then they don't know how to sell to that. But if you know what you're looking for and I know what I sell, then I should be finding a big problem in the space that I sell. So when I find it a big enough problem and I've defined it, right? And I put numbers to it, not just dollar amounts, but numbers, how long it takes or the level of impact or blah, 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 year, you know, time spent, whatever. Then I can say, look, we can solve that. This is exact. I can solve this. I can make this, this, this to go away. And I can get you this, this, this in, in your hands or this much more money or these are clients, whatever it is you want. And I'd say, so let's talk about how we would do that for you. Yeah. And then the rest of the conversation is basically just a, a solution conversation around delivering on those outcomes and getting you away from these current state problems. Yeah. I must thank you. I have to read in your book and it says, it's not about you. It's about the customer. I actually changed my proposals because in my proposals, I had our awards, brands we work with, our team. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's not about me. It's about them. Yes. So you know we actually do in our proposals. You know what we do in our proposals? You might like this and feel free to try this. Look, and I'm a big fan of people making it their own. This, that's why I didn't put many, with the exception of the pick, not many templates in there. Like you, I want people to do it themselves, right? But consider this. We write our proposals here almost like case studies. So what we do is we've done a good, if you've done a good enough discovery, we start with the challenge. After speaking with XYZ company, you share with us that this is happening, this is happening, this sucks, that sucks, you're experiencing this, this is a big pain in the ass. Then we say something like the root causes. The reason these happen is this is going on, that's going on, da da da, there's the root cause. Then we say the desired outcomes are, what we'd like to achieve are this, right? So we literally just lay out the problem like a case study. And then the next part of it is, in an effort to resolve that, the sales guy recommends the following. To address these root causes, boom. To address this, boom. To get you here, boom. And so it flows like a case study that's already, like, you know, how you case studies in the past, you know the challenge, what they did, blah, blah, blah. We just do it up front. And so it, they, the first thing they read is our understanding of their problem. Yeah, yeah. Right? And it makes it hard to not to be product-centric. I mean, it makes it hard to be product-centric that way. So if other people who aren't in the room or other people read the proposal, they don't see here, here's this piece of software and it's this much and it does this. 
we don't need that. They, the people who weren't even in the room in the call see the problem. That's the first thing they read. Mm. So how do you argue that? Like, ah, fuck that. Don't, doesn't matter. We've lost $5 million. Don't worry about it. Like <laughs> it puts it in their face. Yeah. 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 I find too many, too many decks. The first 20 pages is about them rather than the actual client or the problem. And yeah, thank you for that. So we actually overhauled our entire sales process. So yeah, it only took 10 years, but we got there in the end. That's all right, man. Like, like Trump said, you, it'll eventually, I'll be right. Coronavirus will eventually go away someday. So I'll be right. <laughs> exactly what he said. He said, it'll go away. So I'll be right. I said it would go away. It'll go away someday. So I'll be right eventually. Look, can I say to his credit, look, I'm not a, personally a Trump supporter, but he must know how to sell because he'll, Look, he might get reelected again, but he got elected in the first. Nope, he's going to get crushed. I'll put a bet. I'll put a bet with you. He gets. Re- I'm not a fan, but I, I bet you, I'll put a bet with you. He'll I've already it. got a big time bet on this. Yes, Everybody, right. Yeah, there it is. Here's the problem. I'm gonna help out. It's it's so simple. It, I like to net things out. The, I underestimated him the first time. I underestimated the power of the unknown. So he's running against somebody who everybody hated. Yeah. And the, the people, the hard conservatives loved him because he was a conservative, but he won because he got all the independent middle people, right? Mm-hmm. Especially in states like Michigan, Wisconsin, et cetera. And a lot of my friends voted for him. They said, look, anything other than Hillary, what could be wrong? There could be nothing worse than that. What could happen? What could go wrong, et cetera, okay? Now we know what could go wrong. <laughs> now we know what his, um, his, his craziness is. And all of my friends who were on that middle, they're like, I'm not doing that again. Like they just, they just, they realize what a shit show it is. He won by such a razor thin margin and he lost the popular vote. He has to retain all those middle people who kept saying, you know, look, what could go along? Let's give the guy a chance. Who knows? Like who knows? He has to retain them and not lose any of his base. He hasn't retained them and he hasn't grown his base big enough. He is dead, like landslide dead. What are your thoughts on Biden though? Do you think Biden is a strong candidate? He doesn't have to be. That's why he's so quiet. I give him all the credit in the world. He's just sitting back, keeping his mouth shut. It's like tenants, right? Sometimes you get someone who has a whole bunch of unforced errors. Yeah. Why are you trying to place it? Just get it back. Just yeah, yeah, get yeah. over the net. And eventually they'll knock it out. Just get it over the net and they'll fucking have an unforced error. Oh yeah. Biden's playing the perfect game. Trump is dead. And his fans don't want to hear that. And I've got oh, I got lots of money out on this. And I will I will just say I'm right. I was wrong again, but this one is different. Yeah, I got some money on this. Goes. So it's gonna be interesting. I think I think it's gonna be a landslide in, in favor of Trump. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Let's see. But um, let me let me help you with something else because you know in American politics, you know we have the electoral system, right? I I'm not get a rough idea how it works. Right. So so you have to win a state, okay? Texas is one of the most conservative states in the union, and it is now a dead heat. Texas has not picked a Democrat since 1976, I think with Carter, right? Has not gone Democratic. And is literally, I don't, ex- I, I don't expect in the end of the day that Texas will go um, for Biden. But my point is the mere fact that Texas is even considered, even remotely in play, is an entirely different ballgame the first time around. We got um, Georgia in play. These are all conservative states that have all never even been considered in play. Georgia, Arizona, um, I'm missing one. So no, dude. No, <laughs> this one is a whole different ball game this time. But everybody wants to try to run on that whole idea what he did last time. Uh-uh. Mate, ever, ever, ever thought for running for politics? Ever thought about jumping in the game? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. 
Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. When I'm done with this, absolutely, I'm gonna. That's half the reason I want to get this. Where I want to get it. That's amazing. Well done. And mate, last question for you: Any more books in the works? Yes, but not soon. I started it and I had to put it on hold because this is keeping me too busy. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, look, yeah. that's a good problem to have. <laughs> yes. Yes, it's a great problem to have. No. Question. Maybe what you could do is actually just announce, like Kanye, that you're running. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no one no one knows if i had his street cred i might but here's the deal if i had um his money and his um uh awareness and easy uh, i i would run right <laughs> but i would have had a real platform i would have hired a real team and yeah. i don't know that i would have run for president but I, I would absolutely have run for probably senate or something like that absolutely i mean i was a poli sci major i originally wanted to get into politics and i'll never forget the reason i did it this guy's name was john lay it was my very first sales job and I came in and I was crushing. I was kicking everybody's ass and no one knew who I was. And the president of the company came, he said, he called a meeting with me, he said, he goes, who the fuck are you? Like, you just came in here and within six months, you got beaten all the other people, you're crushing all the sales records, where do you come from, who are you, and where do you wanna go? And I said, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I said, I wanna get into politics. And he looked me right in the eye and he says, look, this is my recommendation. Don't go into politics for a job. Go make all your money. You seem to be a talented guy. Go make all your money, become independently wealthy, and then go into politics because you want to make a change. And so if you don't get reelected, you still have a job, mm-hmm. right? And you, you, so therefore you won't do it for the money and you can be your own man. I was like, hey, that's a good point. And I pivoted and never looked back. All right, all right. President, in the next 20 years or 10 years, Keenan. <laughs> ah, President Keenan, there you go, I can say that. There you go, baby. <laughs> But yeah, we'll start working on your campaign for you, campaign slogan. Yeah, see, already I got to be thinking, okay, campaign slogans, I'll go with that. Yeah. And then some ass have be like, oh, he's got another country building his campaign slogan. He's not for America. <laughs> How about I'm a presidential badass? Yeah, true. That was for sure. For sure. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. I hope that was an enjoyable first experience for you. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. That's good. Yes, I, I love, I love the energy. Love your energy, man. It's high you. Love it. Just meet your expectation. And considering you're hungover, you've done really well. <laughs> thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you're a master <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Where I, I'm desperately waiting for your um, second, your, your next book, so don't keep me waiting for too long. But um, right. congratulations on all your success so far. We are super excited to continue to follow your journey, um, hopefully to all the way to the White House. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Thanks. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks.